0: This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge their ongoing connection to land, waters and culture. Colonization and genocide are ongoing processes that continue to this day. Sovereignty was never ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land.
1: (laughs) Hey everybody, and welcome back to Ozpol Snackpod, uh, the weekly podcast that brings you bite-sized chunks of Australian news, politics, and memes. Back with Season 2! We're on that standard podcast format, 151 episodes in-, in Season 1, a break for like roughly a year, and then back for Season 2. Sort of a Pokemon situation, 151, Generation 1. But we're back to our weekly bullshit, everybody. No, so get- no. What?
0: No. Huh? can't... <laughs> Stop! Stop teasing the people, Noon. Okay, you don't need to rub their noses in it, twisting the knife.
1: I'm sorry, everybody. Five
0: minutes back on air.
1: Or, already cranking already... the listeners. I mean, yeah, fucking unsubscribe from our Patreon, then do it if if, if you're mad about this bit. No, we're not back for a regular episodes. I'm sorry, everybody. We do owe a couple of uh, bits of content to some people, though. We have a couple of uh, had a couple of uh, high patron supporter tier supporters, and uh, one of the things they could get, <laughs> Zach is uh, quietly laughing at my inability to form sentences, we owe them some episodes that they requested. Uh, so this one, uh, we were asked to read Weatherboard Nine by Barnaby Joyce, uh, his autobiography- Weatherboard Nine. Weatherboard Narn. um If you search Weatherboard and Iron, the title of the book, it comes up with- why did Barnaby Joyce keep saying Weatherboard 9? What is the Weatherboard 9? <laughs> um no, Weatherboard and Iron. Politics, the Bush and Me by Barnaby Joyce. I'm holding it up to the microphone, listeners, so you can hear it. Uh, and
0: so just to be clear noon, this wasn't our idea. No,
1: it's not a book I would have voluntarily read
0: cover to cover
1: and taken extensive notes on. Extensive notes. Yeah, uh... And but, yet. And yet, here we are, yeah. So, you know, to that unnamed shadowy financier, you know, thank you so much for supporting Snackpod while we were running. It literally did make it possible. You're a legend. Yep. Here's yep. your episode. Uh, we, yeah, we have another sorry, one. it took so long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, we've got some other stuff that we owe you that we, uh, you know, we'll get to at some point. But, you know, we're doing Weatherboard None. So, shall we get into it, Zach? Please.
0: Uh, so... I guess listeners should probably know that I haven't read the book and you have.
1: Yes. So I've been trying not to send Zach heaps from it because it's fun and I want him to come in, you know, moderately cold, but it is by Barnaby Joyce and there's only so cold you can come in. He's, he's exactly like he is in the book. Mm. Um, Yeah, so my overall impression is that this is maybe the pettiest book I've ever read. Um, (laughs) It's a couple of years old now, and he announced it as he resigned from Parliament, I'm pretty sure, on the, like, I'm out of here interview. He was like, weatherboard none, weatherboard none. Um, And I, uh, so I think it was mostly written before he had an affair with his staffer and that came out and then all of this other drama that ended up with him, like, having to run a by-election and stuff. But it's, yeah, I think he was working on it before then, and then he just had to like tie that in because that was like the last thing that happened before he published it. Uh, It's extremely defensive, uh, this whole book. It's Mm. just regular biography shit, but with a big Salt Bay sprinkle of deep hurt. Um, And at the end, it wouldn't be Barnaby if it wasn't. That's right. Uh, But then, just at the end, he's like, oh, and yeah, look, I cheated on my wife and got kicked out of Parliament for having a New Zealand citizenship. But uh, anyway, that's uh, whatever. Um,
0: (laughs) That's by the by.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's fucking
0: back in Parliament now.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Uh, It's as if this whole book had never come out. There's no reviews (laughs) of it. I couldn't find any fucking reviews online. I might be the only person who's actually read this book. Read this book, uh, yeah. I feel like that...
0: feels true of most of the books we talk about the gina reinhardt
1: book uh stuart robert Robert.
0: in the footsteps of jesus famously unread by anyone else i mean the gina reinhardt one is like there's 137 copies in the world right right and we still this one one, there's
1: one in every public library in australia I'm pretty sure like he just made them buy it anyway weirdly the whole book is full of bangers uh i enjoyed it A surprisingly large amount. Not enough to actually recommend anyone deliberately reads it, but way more than I was expecting. Uh, Some of it's hilarious in a cringe way. Some of it's intentionally funny. Uh, He paints some beautiful scenes. He tugged at my heartstrings. um, But almost almost every single time
0: bit of everything
1: yeah, a pixar movie yeah except if the main character just immediately was a giant cockhead after any kind of interpersonal <laughs> moment and he's constantly weirdly mixing metaphors veering in strange <laughs> directions it's big bob catter uh, like what a thousand blossom blooms as far as i'm concerned but i'm not spending any more time on it um like mm, he just does in these book form. We- in book form and over and over and over and over again And Mm. it's missing a lot of commas, which, like, they're kind of optional, but it makes the whole thing feel like a rant Mm. a lot more. There's no, like, pause for breath or, you know.
0: Again, this is all feeling very appropriate and uh, unsurprising.
1: Yes. Uh, So I I got a lot of notes. Uh, Most of it's just quotes because, like, I feel like the material speaks for itself mostly. going to go through vaguely chapter by chapter. You'll have a pretty solid idea what the book was like, I hope. Um, I am going to dunk on him a lot and present a lot of the funniest and worst quotes. Uh, but I just want to repeat, I was legitimately impressed and entertained by his writing. So, you know, I
0: do. Yeah. One of the things you, you said to me after you'd finished reading it was one thing that you definitely can't say about Barnaby Joyce is that he got someone else to write his autobiography. Yeah. I don't think it was
1: ghostwritten at all. Um,
0: well, let's let's uh, yeah, let's get into it, and and listeners can decide for themselves. All right, so this is uh, what's up with the title. I feel like
1: maybe we should address that. Uh, mm. So this first quote. What is a weatherboard nun? Yeah, well, wh- why don't you read this top quote here, Zach? This isn't the first okay. thing he says about weatherboard none, but I feel like it is the thesis statement. Been. Yeah. <laughs>
0: If I were to give my party, the Nationals, a political symbol... Sorry, Zach, can it would you put a... a little bit of um, a Cobra no.
1: on that quote? No. okay. Be-
0: because, <laughs> because I'm going to have to do so many of these and it's already so, going to be so punishing not to be stopping every sentence. All right. All right I'll it. give it... Look, I'll try a little for the first one and all see right, how I go. Right. If I were to give my party, the Nationals, a political symbol, it would be a weatherboard and iron house. Sorry, weatherboard and iron house. It's not only emblematic of regional Australia but also symbolic of what you can afford at the start of your work in life. And society's obligation to give you the prospect of advance. This is terrible. It's becoming like working class British. Yeah, just this go is back to normal.
1: let's fine. I, it was worth a shot, but... <laughs>
0: no, it wasn't. This is how you begin to understand Australia. And to understand regional Australians, you have to understand their first house, the weatherboard walls and corrugated non-roof. From the, <laughs> their ownership of their country comes the love of their country. Oh, boy.
1: Yeah it's um, not even
0: that bad
1: it's not but compared to other stuff that happens but this it's is in the middle bad. of a chapter where he's like you know in america the parties are a donkey and an elephant you can't do that in australia cuz they're all just fucking Canberra private school boys in ties but if i were to give my net na- party the nationals a symbol <laughs> it would be a weatherboard nine house it's like yeah but that's not really an anthropomorphic- it anyway that's fine doesn't matter that's the that's what's up with weatherboard nine It's a house. Okay, so let's start with the prologue. Barney starts as he intends to continue. Um, I think this prologue was written at the end because, again, it has a lot more of the sad, impotent rage that's kind of in the whole thing, but seems to be mainly motivated by the consequences of cheating on his wife. Uh, This is what he says. I love my life and would not swap it for anyone else's. I have a comfort that the fall never hurts that much and I have tripped and slid down that human game of snakes and ladders a fair way. So here I am back on a bottom square, but I have a son who's about to be born. And what do you have? What? A new fully imported piece of crap paid on your fully maxed out credit card. (laughs) And at work, you've just moved up to floor 16. Want to swap? I don't. Who are you talking to? (laughs) There's nobody here. (laughs) You! Uh, it's, the,
0: it's the worst <laughs> rendition of the taxi driver monologue ever. It's Barnaby standing in the mirror, yelling at There's no one else here. Barnaby. <laughs> what have you got?
1: It, it goes on. And Want gets a swap? More specific, Zach. Want a swap? I don't. And maybe you don't either. With all those accoutrements around you, what could possibly... He spells that wrong. What could possibly be missing? <laughs> Other groups have serious issues that need serious help. But poor whites and regional villagers, they are a totally embarrassing inconvenience. (laughs) Now I've inspired your pure feminist Sydney Uni rage, but how the hell does a sociology degree help to rid Smithtown, Tasmania of unemployment? I know you want to read this book to discover salacious details, but I want you to continue reading to hear the message. So if I have to make you laugh, feel insulted, or inspire your voyeuristic intent, that is a fair payment for making sure regional Australians are heard. As you turn the pages,
0: mm, I feel like probably of those three things that he says he might do in the book, the one that's going to happen the most is is the getting angry one. The feeling probably insulted, so. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I don't know. Maybe I because this called is completely written
0: that. in the second person as a long invective against whoever is reading it. This hey, is literally
1: you! the prologue. What he's saying is, I know the only people who are going to read this reading it to make fun of me. That's very true. And (laughs) I hope that you get some like insight into like the country as a result. And to be honest, he kind of achieves that. Um, So yeah, as we go through, I'm going to mention, I think he maybe makes like between two and three policy suggestions, which are very broad, but all of which I think are pretty reasonable. Uh, which is kind of surprising. Um, and I did develop a sense of my unawareness of regional Australia. Like, I am the literal latte, soy latte-sitting, lefty city boy that he is yelling at in the prologue, literally reading it for the reasons that he says mm. he is. And... It does
0: feel quite directed at us. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah. Um Yeah, and like, as I was reading that, I was like, wow, yeah, this is an unfamiliar world to me. Um, I don't know about this, and it does sound like there are problems here that I'm not very well equipped to comment on. Fair enough.
0: And that's why it's cool to be racist.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that in a bit. All right, Mm. so the book's kind of chunked up into some different sections, going literally chapter by chapter is a bit clunky, but uh, chapters one, two, and three are basically, this was what it was like being poor as a kid in the country. Um there's a lot of stuff throughout the whole book, but especially here, where he's like there's a conservative problem, but it's not as bad as the progressive solution. Um So Zach, why don't you read this next bit, which I have actually told you about? It's my favorite bit of the entire book. Uh yeah. I remember
0: <laughs> I I actually have read this chapter because we made an abortive attempt to, to do this like a year. Attempt. Yeah. yeah. And uh all that happened is I think I read one chapter and Noon read two. And then we were like, oh, God. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed a lot more the second time around. So, yeah. Anyway. anyway uh, yeah.
0: I did not like Limbry Public School. As a little boy, it was hard to avoid a teacher who did not like you. I remember Mr. Maguire giving me the cane numerous times. A long, cream piece of cane that he would use to hit me on the palms of my hands. He hit me for having dirty nails, for not tying up my shoelaces, for spelling mistakes. I did not like Mr. Maguire at all. I was scared of him. It hurts a lot at five, six, or seven being hit with a cane. In third class, I was moved from Limbury to Woolbrook, which was a joy. It was so peaceful. The children were happy. The teacher looked formidable with his big black beard and motorbike, but he was actually a very gentle man. No one seemed to get hit at Woolbrook. The teacher was also, on reflection, a communist. (laughs) He told us the benefits of wealth distribution and said that in China, everyone wore the same clothes. So no one would be out of place due to not being able to afford good clothes. He left out the tens of millions who starved to death. Barnabas.
1: This is basically.
0: Why do you do you do it to yourself?
1: Yeah. This is every opinion he has in the book is like, wow, this bad shitty thing happened because of someone I agree with. Someone I disagree with wants to be nice, and that's bad. Um, yeah, Boy, this is. I mean,
0: <laughs> it is quite sort of like I don't know. You, you sort of couldn't pay me to admit this kind of deep emotional problem in a public sphere. You know, what I mean? yeah. It's like he's really there. Say what you will. We're getting an insight into. The man himself here.
1: Right. Like that, that's Absolutely. Raw. It's two hundred pages of pure Barnaby. Like that's, yeah.
0: It's pretty raw shit.
1: As I say, like no, no, way. no way that was ghostwritten. <laughs> no. No. Um so he he also talks a lot about how poor his family is, and it's not clear to me how true that is. Uh huh. I'm not necessarily saying he's bullshitting, but it's not clear so here's a quote uh the family business plan was quite simple don't spend money unless you really have to it meant small things meant a lot to us i had an old chipped light shade that hung by a long white cord from the roof in my bedroom as a small boy not yet at school Mum and i went to town where she bought a new one with brown teddy bears on it i remember on the road back from limbury she was very happy about this rather small purchase Likewise, I used to sleep on an old steel shearer's bed that was replaced by a new wooden bed, and that was seen as something beyond just an expected purchase. The one item Dad would spend money on was more land or buildings in town, and over many years he built the family's wealth up by owning and trading these capital assets. Dad said the trick to making money was to be cautious with what you had and to buy and sell capital assets. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You to make money to make money.
0: Damn. Oh, and that's, that's advice, such good financial advice. That's that's advice you can take to the money bank.
1: Don't buy new beds. Buy and sell capital assets.
0: Yeah. That, I mean, he... I, I guess from his perspective, when he says, you know, if you want to save for a house, just don't buy your soy latte. Right, right. And I he guess- genuinely
1: be- seems to believe that that is how... His family got rich. And I guess in the 50s, maybe you could buy more land with the amount of money you could save by cutting down on stuff. But, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Definitely the price of money going up has been going up. As I say, ambiguous how much money they had. <laughs> I it, it doesn't seem like they were super wealthy, but if Dad your was dad's buying and, and selling vices... a lot of capital assets. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, mm. So this one's a special one just for you to comment on, Zach. Oh, I look forward to it. It's going to be great. Animal activists should do the work for a couple of years before oh, passing judgment on a teenager and the race drenching sheep. Animal activists should see what a sheep looks like when hundreds of maggots have dug a hole into it before they pass judgment on mulesing. Animal activists should send the farm workers some money to buy meat in a shop before they talk about home kills, which is what we did every Thursday night.
0: <clears throat> thanks barnaby Th- thank you for that
1: again conservative problem being like not as bad as dealing with it It's like yeah you 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 have to mules the sheep because you're keeping fucking hundreds of sheep crowded together in a stuck lot in horrible conditions or what like you know well uh... <laughs> sheep get maggots in their butt because they are.
0: Not evolutionarily designed to exist in Australia. Sure, they came here with colonization. Right, and they've also been bred to have really wrinkly skin because that then you get more wool more surface area for wool. So they have—it's literally a problem created by the industry. In okay, the hold that place. one in
1: mind. Okay, I just want you to like, <laughs> listeners, that should be your default comment every time Barnaby says anything. It's like seems like that's a problem created by the industry. I just, but there's also, <laughs> and he love like he.
0: Very, he's so quick to like jump over the substance of an issue and go straight to the ad hom and being like, Oh, what you think that mulesing is bad? Well, you're judgmental and therefore you're a piece of shit, and therefore I don't actually have to address the issue here at all. Like, and I look, I'll 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 cede the point to Barnaby that there are like many people in the animal. Activist movement who are who very misguidedly malign the individual workers in the industry. Totally, that's totally. not how good solidarity
1: works. No, we need and to and it's be... something that we've talked about regularly on this show. When yeah. it was a show, like
0: people know how how I feel about this. I think if they've totally. listened to the show before, it's funny because
1: Barnaby has this like really strong but super limited imagination. Like, you know, like someone's like, "Hey, maybe we should treat animals better." when we grow them industrially or something. And suddenly he's got the picture in his mind of like...
0: Exactly who said that and how they're a a hypocrite and why, therefore, they don't need to be listened to.
1: And so he's got this powerful imagination, but there's no possibility of like someone who's worked on a farm. Some of them become animal activists, actually, because they see that. There's no possibility. He's
0: missing the chance for like, okay, well... Maybe Let's the work idea together. here is that there needs to be more collaboration and conversation right, between right. people who do actually have some common interests yes. here, but instead it's you know, he's like, oh well you've drawn these battle lines and so I'm just going to stand on this side and hurl shit at you and complete, like, you know th- what does this do for the farmers, bro? <laughs> like, right, right. That's my question to him.
1: It makes but, and it, him it's feel also good this, for being on their side is what it does for the farmers.
0: I just, th- this like this idea of oh, you're calling for structural change. Well, why don't you personally pay for that farmer's dinner?
1: Yeah, yep.
0: Like, yep. <laughs> like, I, there's so many ways in which he's missing the point here.
1: We, we got to keep moving on. I'm we sorry, keep but going. yeah, there's a lot of fun stories. I mean, to about... be fair,
0: he did specifically direct that to me. Yeah, I mean, and if look, <laughs> this is the whole
1: book, right? <laughs> Everyone gets <laughs> called out. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of fun stories about being a youth in the country. Uh, he gets in trouble for being pushed out of a car by someone who gets in trouble for smoking cigarettes oh, uh he misses jinky. the bus and has to trek for hours to get home um i met Not natalie me. his first wife at st albert's college where we were both residents i was later asked to leave st albert's for dropping a maid off in the countryside with one thong and in a pair of underpants natalie was a very pretty quiet girl who was a very good sportswoman and champion netball center wait a minute Barnaby. Sorry, you got a question? Let's,
0: let's wheel up from the, from the, from the no, netball. Sorry, I think we got that all covered. Met oh, his okay. wife where they
1: both Dropped lived. a meat
0: off in the countryside with a thong and a pair of underpants.
1: Got kicked out of college. Natalie was very pretty and good, good at, at netball. Yeah, no, that's okay. all the important things there. Yeah. Page okay, 35. Great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, we also kind of get why he got into politics, which. Um, there was some interesting stuff here, but I couldn't find any, like, good way of putting the quotes together. Basically adds up to, like, it was like charity. I don't believe in politics, it, it, but it's just a way of doing charity. And, and like, people who oh, are...
0: Oh, fuck off. Okay, Pe- people... he, that actually stinks like actual bullshit to me. Which this other stuff is, like, yeah, I believe... No, 100%. You know, that, I believe that, uh, that Barnaby right. believes these shitty things that he's saying. Hundred percent, but, but, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. doing it because I just want to give back. I hate the system and the process, but I'm doing it out of the goodness of my heart. Fuck you, Barnaby.
1: Yeah, uh, look, he he says stuff like, people who are Nats members are also members of Rotary Club and whatever other, (laughs) like, philanthropic organizations, and it's just one more way for them to, like, get around the community and do some good, and, like, that was the one that I kind of fell into. But yes, I agree. (laughs) It's basically just strategic distancing from, like, the Canberra Bubble TM, uh, which is Barnaby's yeah, most hated thing after Sydney, the Green's Labour Party, the Liberal Party, Vegetarians and Foreigners. Yeah, um, He has a lot of soy very... Pa- yeah, yeah, I already said Sydney, the Green's Vegetarians <laughs> and Foreigners, Zach, that, yeah, it's covered. Um, <laughs> wow,
0: that really... Soy milk really is, does speak to a lot of people, so go on.
1: Yeah, he says a lot of very confusing things that I can't no. fit all of them in, but they're all kind of like hashtag deep wisdom in the form of weird dichotomies. So here's a good one. And with no commas. Uh, In life, you can be defined by your experiences or be driven by them. The latter is a lot more fulfilling. You can be defined by them or driven by them. Yeah. So. Yeah. No,
0: that's, that doesn't mean anything.
1: No. No. No, Yeah. Uh, So we've got chapters four, five, and six, which are basically about like politics um as how many chapters
0: to, like, are there in the book by the way
1: 17 18 yeah uh okay yeah all right four five, five and six yep uh i will get to the politics tm bit in a sec but uh i posted a little reference to this in Oswald shit posting and people were like sorry could you <laughs> go back <laughs> to the thing about the blow-up doll uh, and I, it doesn't really have anything to do with anything but I mentioned it in a meme so I figured I'd just like it, give beholden. the context yeah. yeah, yeah. so this is the start of chapter 6 he kept belting it against the window partially pulling back the curtains and trying to <laughs> capture the attention of those parked on the other side of the road trying to shock us with the emphatic rictus sardonicus grin on her plastic face
0: rictus sardonicus grin, Barnaby Joyce
1: He's got away with Turn words from time to time. Yeah. It was a residence that would not be worth any more than a family ca- a car. A blow-up plastic doll was probably the perfect tortured metaphor for the anonymous inhabitant darting back and forth, half-crazed behind a mannequin hostage. And he keeps going back to this <laughs> motif of the blow-up doll throughout the rest of the chapter. So these are, like, a few different remarks spread over the next, like, ten pages. It was as believable as the, blow- uh, as the plastic blow-up sex doll From where we observed this plastic Punch and Judy show, we could not determine whether they were male or female, youth or adult, compass, mentis, or insane. The fear is of the house and the edge of the road with the dirty curtains banging the blow-up doll against the window.
0: (laughs) It's just this, like, recurring metaphor. To be fair, that last one was quite vivid. But otherwise, it's it's just (laughs) just so clear that, like... I mean, clearly... The, the image left an impact on him. Right. But it's also a right. bit like, Barnaby, why are you thinking in, about this so much? And why is it in your autobiography five times? Well, like, it's this is like- the story of his entire life. Okay? He's condensing... Well, how fucking old is he? Let's call him 60. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> 60, we got roughly 20 chapters. Okay, that's roughly three years per chapter. We're talking one chapter here. Five mentions. Like, you just <laughs> yeah. think about how much of
1: his autobiography is about this <laughs> same <laughs> bo <blow-up-doll. laughs> that's a really good point that I hadn't occurred to Because, like when you're reading the book, it's just a series of little essays, and it's like this one's about when I was at college being when i was my, friend leaving in my friends in the book <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and this one's about when i was at that shitty town and there was a blow-up doll but you're right it is like even at the time reading it i was like sorry what are you talking about <laughs> um but you're right but on the other hand it look, is a it hilariously is, high portion of the book yeah
0: it's that's a lot of yeah hilariously high proportion definitely suspicious coming from Barnaby in particular but i do have to seed that I can picture it.
1: I can. It's I can picture. Sort of it. engrossing, which is There's kind of his whole point. Being like, vivid, vivid, we were watching him do this thing. Yeah,
0: and yeah. it was fucked up. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. Okay. So now <laughs> he's on. he's a Nats member. Um, like a, not a member of Parliament, but he's like going to party conferences. Uh, he's now an accountant. Uh, God, he I makes a shitload of job. money being an accountant. Yeah. Uh, it's not. The most fascinating part of the book, he goes pre-selection. He screws a bunch of people over, but in ways that he doesn't say it like that, obviously. He mentions that his wife raised their kids somehow while he was busy. That's um,
0: convenient. Did that just... Just popped that place? One.
1: Yeah, again, we'll, we'll come back to that in just a second. Um, Luckily, he's
0: just off doing charity and giving back. So, really, he's kind of fathering the nation, in a sense, when you think about Including which, his
1: daughters, yeah.
0: Who, yeah. I can't think of anybody more part of the nation than Barnaby's daughters.
1: Yep. Uh, and, you know, this is just real, like, 9 to 5 grind set uh, kind of thing, but the, like, Nats member version of that, being a bloke in the country, and he's always drinking, and there's a lot of walking, because there's not good, there's no trains, sometimes he has to wear a suit, which was weird, uh, so, Zach, we've got another little story here uh, for you to tell on Barnaby's behalf.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, here it is. Oh, my God. It's a Okay. When you are campaigning, you were always trying to look respectable, and as such, are nearly always
1: overdressed. Just, by the way, Wearing listeners, the s- Zach put two commas in that sentence that don't exist. When you are campaigning, you're always trying to look respectable, and as <laughs> such, are nearly always overdressed. It's way <laughs> it's more true. listenable how Zach's doing it, but I just want you to know that when these sentences are, like comfortable the, to listen rhythm, to. When the
0: rhythm feels good. That's Zach editorializing. <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the Lesnac touch.
1: All right, go on.
0: Wearing a suit in North Queensland is most certainly overdressed. North of the Tropic of Capricorn, it has to be a big funeral before you wear a tie. I saw the turn-off to Josephine Falls near Innisfail, and it sounded perfect
1: for a refreshing swim. Sorry, just another thing. The whole book is name-dropping, except it's small towns that you've never heard of. Uh, and... The smaller and less heard of, it, the bigger the name the drop is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <sighs> Boy, fucking salt of the earth, this bloke. When I arrived, it was beautiful, but I had one problem. All I had with me was a, was a suit. It was late and the falls were quite away from the highway and the swimming hole was a 10-minute walk from the road. There were two swimmers finishing off their afternoon swim. I was going to risk it, wait till they left and skinnied it for the brief time I needed to refresh. That sentence could have used with a some more punctuations second sentence yeah they finished and left i went behind a big granite boulder got undressed and dived in it was sublime cool water surrounded by rainforest fish in the pool (laughs) then the tourist bus arrived at the car park unbeknownst to me i looked up at the path leading down to the water and there came the pensioners i hoped that they would take photos from a distance but the more adventurous wanted to clamber down and go right to the water's edge have you ever seen the documentaries about antarctica I always marveled about always marveled at the way the penguins get out of the water onto the ice in one jump. I have now done the same. <laughs> I boulder hopped back to my rock, got dressed, and, to an amazed audience, arrived as a mild mannered, suited person from behind the rock. As they stared at me in disbelief, I handed out my business card. Barnaby Joyce, Nash- National Senate candidate for Queensland.
1: Just always on that grind. <laughs> But he's also a larrikin, Zach.
0: Yeah. But he's also
1: overdressed, right? As the country. Textbook
0: hijinks.
1: Yep. Yep. Okay. So now I want to talk about women and indigeneity. Oh, no. uh, Which I'm lumping together here because his approach to them is very similar in that he seems to treat both groups as, like, a curious different species who he might occasionally have reason to interact with. Um, he's definitely like, warmer with women than black people, but in both cases, it feels a bit like he's like, oh, and isn't this dog very clever? They could actually do things sometimes. Like, um, women are housewives, uh, except for when he's lecturing everyone that actually, did you know that women, well, Country women are capable of doing other things too, other than just being housewives, alright? Alright? Out in the country, women are very competent.
0: Yeah, yeah, literally. They do outside chores as well.
1: Yeah, so all of his stories are about white men uh, and straight men, I should have said, uh, except for one that features a gay guy who he continuously mentions how he's gay and he's fine with it. Um, Mm. Yeah. Uh, And occasionally there'll be a cameo from a woman in usually this kind of weird, both progressive and reactionary way, like lecturing you that actually women are capable of doing things. Thank you very much. So why don't you uh, give us these two quotes here, Zach?
0: Women on the land know when the meat coming into the house is rubbish or if the butchering was rough. They know the cost if they have to purchase it in the shop. Yep,
1: special women knowledge. Right. What women do is deal with the food... They go shopping, but actually they're really clever and they know about butchering because they have to buy it. Like obviously, like women don't do the butchering. Obviously, men don't need to assess the quality of meat, except insofar as they they eat the are doing the butchering meal. Yeah, yeah,
0: because <laughs> they've been out fathering the nation all day. Yep. All right, Lenore Johnston became our de facto campaign manager. She epitomised how the National Party was actually run by women. You have correct. No That's the right getting... voice to read this. Yeah, 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 it is. Yeah. That was a bit of inflection that very much was in <laughs> was the sentence. In the, yeah. You have no hope of ever getting pre-selectors on side if these power brokers are offside. Guys might have their cars or boats as their recreation. Women had politics as their passion. Don't get yeah. on the wrong side of them, oh Barnaby, because while the men are having a beer, a beer, they are on the phone working numbers. I, pff, this is This is wife at home with the kids all over again. I get to be the cool face of the party, skinny dipping in front of pensioners (laughs) while women do all the actual campaigning. Barnaby, this doesn't, this isn't helping you
1: at all. Yeah. Don't be fooled. They're occasionally capable of productive thought or even political activity. Yeah. Thanks, Barnaby. Yeah. So here is what I believe is the most extensive remark on Indigenous affairs in this book. Oh, no. People like those in the Aboriginal community of Carpentaria Shire see that the only way for Indigenous people to get ahead is to have access to the jobs and opportunities that other Australians take for granted. I wish people would speak to them before they start making decisions about their lives and their people. That is a subject for another book. Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Very country conservative trope of, like, you city slickers don't actually know any real indigenous people because all real indigenous people live in remote communities and because i live in the country i know what indigenous people actually want and no 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 you, i'll you should therefore will, shut
1: up nope he doesn't have that much to do with them he doesn't have enough to like he literally this is the only i feel like it's heavily he implied about, and
0: i wish people would speak to them
1: before they start making decisions heavily about implied their lives heavily their implied people. I guess, yeah, like, the thing is, it's a really horrifyingly impersonal different type of racism than what I'm used to seeing. In that, he, he seems to think there are different species. He's saying, I wish people would speak to them. I don't think he's saying, I mean, he, he's kind of, as you say, strongly implying, I've spoken to them. But he's he never says, like, this would be good for Aboriginal people, except for literally being like, if they had access to jobs and opportunities that other Australians take for granted, which is not really. That's nothing except, like, we need to colonize, colonize them more. But, like, it, it, vague. Mm. Um, it's bad. It's it's bad. I think we can agree. Yeah, in the last paragraph of the last chapter, other than the epilogue, he introduces his first Aboriginal character. So, why don't you uh, read this one for a sec?
0: It was an incredible, I had an incredible honour. I was the member for New England, and as I dictate this to Vicky at the- <laughs> Sorry, yeah! sorry, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. This is the, the last paragraph, the last chapter. He's reflecting on writing the book. So, yeah. He's
0: not even writing his own autobiography! <laughs> <laughs> his, his wife at home with the kids in his own fucking autobiography.
1: Nope. I had an incredible honour. The new oh, sorry. woman he's cheated on.
0: Yeah, his with... other womaning. Uh, and still somehow managing to. Okay, any, anyway. I had an incredible honor. I was the member for New England, and as I dictate this to Vicky at the back of the Walter Road Hotel, he's pull, he's fucking sucking down a cold one while Vicky's literally scrambling. No, I mean, read the
1: rest of the sentence. <laughs> he, Her
0: nine months pregnant and drinking a lemon, lime, and bitters in me with a schooner. New. I look across at the railway workers' cottage where I stayed with my Aboriginal mate as a child. No aboriginal
1: name. mate singular no name
0: required no name required i think of his mother who ran the sunday school and ask what would his mother
1: expect of me so that was a typo of me i think sorry yeah, yeah okay was- i don't think that was barnaby yeah
0: <laughs> she'd expect me not to let myself down to pull my socks up and get on with it she would also disapprove of me having a beer yeah, yeah that's that's, that's barnaby. like one
1: oh, and a half aboriginal characters They're the only black, specific, indigenous folks who are mentioned in the book. That's pretty troubling. Yeah. Meanwhile, like, all other non-white people are, like, a formless other. Sounds great, Barnaby. That is the crucial question for the poor student of the poor family. How do we pace them on the same upward trajectory that their Asian neighbors have and continue to enjoy? Be the best, or get ready to be their peasant?
0: Whoa. Oh, boy. Yeah. Wow.
1: That's pretty um,
0: racism, racism.
1: Yeah, he has clearly some got some understanding of colonial violence, but uses it to be racist against the Chinese. The Europeans who came to Australia did all right for themselves, and many Aboriginals may query what was in it for them. So be careful with foreign relations and land ownership. Uh, This is in a discussion about the the Port of Darwin. Yeah.
0: That is... fucking outrageous yeah so a garbage garbage person
1: to his credit i suspect he's actually probably more comfortable talking to real indigenous people than a lot of other parliamentarians are but yeah he basically seems to think they're like not my business uh and he's constantly referring to the poor whites and he also seems to include indigenous issues with city bullshit so he says um, in Australia, we push for gender equality, ethnic diversity, disability advocacy, indigenous equality, gay and lesbian rights, transgender, transsexual, and pansexual rights, but we don't push for hillbillies, hayseeds, rednecks, or bogans. Um, which really captures the whole thing pretty well. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, poor whites. He says it just constantly throughout the book. I, I, I pulled out a few examples, but they're not that interesting. It's just like, they're the only group that he thinks about under any circumstances, yeah. Um, uh, There's this quote, so... But poor regional whites have to represent their own. Parliament has politicians who are proudly gay, black, lesbian, handicapped, immigrant. It has doctors and a multitude of lawyers, union officials, and lawyers who are union officials. Where this poor white constituency loses out is in its ability to breed its own politicians. They will not be as polished, well-educated, or able to draw in a special purpose vote, such as support for small business, indigenous, or migrant issues. Uh, it's very confused.
0: It's extremely
1: confused. Very but it's definitely shy. bad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess I feel that there is a certain legitimacy to the, you know, the idea that the regions are underrepresented. And, totally. Um, and in a kind of practical sense, um, like, yeah, not well represented politically, Barnaby sees himself as a, a, a champion of this kind of voiceless demographic, but we know that the national party, are a regional right. party in name only that right, all of right. them are Liberals. extremely wealthy, most of them are very highly educated as well. And all yep. they do is including champion Barnaby. the interest, in, including Bartime, and all they do is champion the interests of extremely destructive industries right, that completely right, right. destroyed <clears throat> regional communities.
1: Totally. So that's a great lead in, a great segue uh, to something that uh, I want to say is he has some environmental concerns that I fully agree with, but he can only ever express them through frothing rage. So I've got another fairly long quote for that you. That seems here. to be
0: true of pretty much
1: everything. That's, I said it right at the top. It is the format of every single one of his opinions. Uh, it, it's really amazing how consistently he does it. But yeah, why, why didn't you hit us with uh, with this critique?
0: What always bemuses me about the Green Movement, in whichever party they reside is that when a truly present environmental danger arises, instead of the metaphysical one, they go missing. Especially if, if it is in a left-run state or in a non-democratic country overseas. In the poor white, take a drink, town of Mount yeah, Morgan, yeah. there is a problem. 7,000 megaliters of water is held back by a to- tailings wall dam at an old mine site on top of a mountain. Barnaby, <laughs> this is an extremely long walk. Oh, it- <laughs> one one Just megaliter. Going. One megaliter is a million liters. There are 11,500 megaliters in the Mount Morgan mine pit, including that held back by the tailings wall, laced with cadmium and other heavy metals, which would flow into the D River then into the Dunn, into the Dawson, and down into the city of Rockhampton's <laughs> water supply on the Fitzroy.
1: Thank you for They expressing.
0: say the cyanide used in processing is now inert, but the acid rock drainage is the real problem. The water has a pH level of 2.8 to 3.5, <laughs> which probably attests to nothing living in it. Those downstream are understandably anxious as the water pours through the tailings wall. But hell, why worry about a poor white hip town like Mount Morgan?
1: Yeah, bro. I bet the greenies are constantly pushing to let acidic cadmium water from a mine run down into the water supply. The greenies love that shit. Constantly. Constantly pro-cadmium mining.
0: That's not, like, even a... Like, to call that a straw man is... (laughs) Insulting to straw. It's very insulting to straw.
1: Yeah, yeah. So... (laughs) It's hard to know what to say about that. What the f- but what it's exactly the same about. thing as the animal activists, right? It's like this is an opportunity for collaboration with people who yep. could help you, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Frothing rage. Yeah. So there's a couple of other points that I pretty much agreed with. Uh, one. Fucking politicians are useless, so that's going to be chapter seven and eight. Uh, yeah. We should invest in infrastructure. But luckily, in the he's not an, uh,
0: he's not a politician. Oh no,
1: no, obviously not. Nor no. is
0: anyone else in the national party. Nope, they're all there on the inside as moles for real people. <laughs> Who could say
1: plants. that? They're yeah. plants. They're average
0: Joe plants. Yep,
1: that's right. That's right. Yeah. Point two is we should invest in infrastructure in the country. Uh, okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And number three, we should consider reorganising our parliament in pretty significant ways. Okay. Yeah. Sure. We'll we'll get to all of those. But yeah. Okay. Let's start with chapter seven and eight, uh, which are fucking politicians are useless. So these are called colour and movement in Canberra and come around home. I didn't do the titles of the previous chapters. It, they're all it's pretty, pretty bullshit. Funny. Colour but, movement camera. Yeah, yeah. Uh he's so, such a fucking
0: wanker. Uh, just that like so many of his arguments are based around oh you think you're better than other people, but it it's also whoa. that we self-aggrandizing.
1: Yeah. Uh yeah, the previous ones uh mostly pretty the first chapter one's called The Station Wagon from Danglemar, which really, you know, <laughs> sets the scene. Uh chapter five is called St. Vexatious Boarding School. Those are in the only uh-huh. good ones in the previous uh-huh. one. Yeah. And then colour and movement in Canberra. Alright. So yeah, Kevin Rudd gets name checked. He was indistinguishable from the ad selling happiness and earnestness, but no one is so naive as to confuse that with authenticity. He epitomized what Canberra had become. The actor from Central Casting playing the guy you all want me to be. The Prime Minister, the complete triumph of the Canberra manufactured man. Too bland? Get the yarn out about when his mates took him out for a spanking good time at a strip club overseas, but make sure he falls asleep in the story. Show everybody what a lad he is, but he never looked at any of those titties. Um, I did not.
0: What? <laughs> Barnaby Joyce using the word titties in my life.
1: Okay, well, that's bad luck, uh, Zach. Oh, great. That's a... Uh... That's called foreshadowing. Because in,
0: yeah. in true Barnaby style, he's going to give you more of exactly what you don't want.
1: But also keep in mind about that he goes to the titty bar, but he falls asleep. So what is a, what a <laughs> lad is he is, but he never looked at those titties. I just want you to hold that criticism of Kevin Rudd in mind as we continue. Uh, there's a lot of grandiose bullshit. Uh, in this chapter, I would say even compared to the relatively high levels of that in the rest mm. of the book. So, mm-hmm. why don't you hit us with this one, Zach?
0: Conservatism does not mean that your personality is hardwired to a starched white shirt. It is self-discipline because of the yeah, belief that. Hardwired this...
1: to a shirt? Just get that metaphor in. <laughs> it is self-discipline
0: because of the belief that it is selfish if you personally or, in, or your nation generally roam free. Ignorant of the effect of your actions on
1: others? And
0: by this ignorance making their lot in life worse? Wait, this is his defensive of
1: conservatism? He's saying being conservative means having self-discipline, stopping your country from roaming free. It means not being ignorant of your effects on others, and it means not letting that ignorance impact other people negatively. That's what conservatism is, Zach. But please go on. <laughs> conservatism should never mean puritanical. Huh? And it does not,
0: that's the... Okay, conservatism should never mean puritanical and it does not have to mean right wing. And conservatism does, absolutely does not mean boring, just as progressive does not mean logical. The accusation that you are boring cuts to the bone.
1: So this is like a weird exercise in like A is to B as C is to D, except he gets all of the pieces wrong? This is, that's... Confusing as heck. But very self-aggrandizing. Like,
0: he really seems like he is trying... He really seems like he's, like, fending off criticisms, but they're not really outlined. And so it's the sort of argument against, like, some kind of
1: very confusing accusation. (laughs) Yeah. And what does he think the difference between right-wing and conservatism is? Like, he goes on about that a bit more, and actually we'll get a mention of it in the upcoming Titty Bar narrative, but um, like, it's he's never clear about it at any stage he just complains yeah, okay, um, this was a good one, uh yeah, country folk also wanted minority green influence removed from policy affecting property ownership and trade in Australian politics dominated by inner urban labour greens and inner urban liberal greens Get it? Clever? Are they inner-urban labor greens or inner-urban urba, liberal greens? Huh? Both are just as bad. They're both the greens. Um, The difference is determined by whether they're in a CBD job and went to a better high school or in a CBD job and went to a better private school. That's a very You're confusing right. That's second Barnaby. rendition of the same joke. Barnaby, With one kid at the childcare center in a European car, this culture war is one of the hardest to navigate. So...
0: Are you talking about yourself?
1: Yes, it's incoherent, but it's also reprehensible. Yeah. Okay, so now we have uh, an extensive story detailing how medium Barnaby feels about (laughs) titty bars. Um,
0: You're going to ask me to read it, aren't you? uh,
1: Either way. (laughs) Go on. Go on, then.
0: At the first pub in Kalgoorlie that night, I made the astute observation that the barmaids were leaving. As my mother would say... Little to the imagination. In fact, virtually nothing at all. Oh. I, I am not a delicate boy, but as a politician, I felt somewhat awkward about the possible conclusions of people seeing me in a topless bar. I looked at the ceiling. I looked at the floor. I generally looked at the walls. I would have liked to have looked at the barmaids, but was aware of the patrons looking at me. A leering, lecturous politician is not a good look. Oh, but if only there was something you could do about that, Barnaby. Fiona and Wendy in unison asked if there was something wrong with me. Basically, they told me to grow up. I was in Kalgoorlie. They were quite at ease, having a beer and campaigning, as women are wont to do. Yep. While Queensland is conservative, but not necessarily right-wing. Western Australia <laughs> is right-wing. The terms are different. Oh, yes, thanks, Barnaby. Yeah. In, in what citizen- way?
1: Sorry, I'm sure he'll go on to clarify. <laughs> uh,
0: my wife was super great at netball. <laughs> the,
1: good, the, good citizens of,
0: the good citizens of Toowoomba in Queensland campaigned against a strip club opening in town, so I would not organize a trip around topless bars to win votes there. The left do not care about the current social structure. Where are we Barnaby? to be? Because it has to be reorganized to help those who have been overlooked, especially mm-hmm. those of unrecognized genius on the political left who deserve the right to run society. Economics also needs to be reorganised on a new calibration of a left quasi-religious moralism where the Sydney gay and lesbian Mardi Gras is a marvellous statement of individual rights, but a topless bar is an abomination.
1: Yeah. So, um... How do you think (laughs) Barnaby feels about titty bars after that really extensive discussion of them? Uh...
0: Whatever you think about titty bars, that's what Barnaby Joyce says that he likes about titty bars.
1: Yeah, correct. Uh, but these fucking greenies are trying to take away our titty bars. Yeah, yeah. But Toowoomba, they don't want titty bars and neither do I. But, but I went to a I titty would, bar and I, I didn't I also look at it's, it's exactly the thing that he was complaining about with Kevin Rose. I'm such a lad. Did you hear I went to a strip bar but didn't look at the titties, but there were women there with me who said I should. Um. Yeah. I'm starting to feel like
0: <laughs> I'm starting to feel like we're going around in circles here a little bit with, with Barnaby Joyce. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna admit noon. <laughs> I don't know how much more we can learn about Barnaby
1: Joyce. We're getting a lot of I f- <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Well, I'll try and rush through the rest of it. Um, we do get some <laughs> That's good- not what I'm saying. I okay. Just, it's just, you think we've already got like, the full portrait. I just feel like pretty much every single
0: quote that we've read has effectively been the same thing with yes. some of the nouns swapped out.
1: Yes. Yep. Correct. Uh, and yet somehow weirdly readable at times. And at other times incomprehensible on a level that seems skillful. <laughs> like <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what well, this is a really interesting thing right because it's like we were having this conversation before we recorded that you know barnaby definitely has a kind of pretty characteristic way of speaking and acting but he is also a very polished politician yeah in the scheme of things he's just like you know, such a fucking weirdo that he can't help let 10% of his freak flag peek through the top of that little, right. of that, you know, smooth Canberra uh, moose, tub of moose. that he's, Right. You know, and he's being like, f-
1: oh, look at these three centimeters that separate me and all of these other people. It's like <laughs> fucking eight miles. over Exactly.
0: Yeah. But so when there are these long sections where he really appears to be very insistently saying absolutely nothing at all. Yeah, yeah. You're like, is this are these the ramblings of a confused and incoherent mind? Or is this deliberate? Political, political And obviously two things can be true. I think we're looking at, you know, a pretty wide Venn diagram overlap there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of these two possibilities.
1: It's fascinating stuff. All right. So uh, now we start getting into some of the in my opinion, fairly sensible suggestions about regional development. The reason I have a fascination with Canberra is because it's a living, breathing example of what regional development can achieve. Canberra shows that we can create opportunity at the foot of the hills, that we're very capable of creating a prosperous future from a meager start. Canberra did not grow organically. It's now our largest inland city and by far the largest in the Murray-Darling Basin. What was there before Canberra? Sheep paddocks, a river, and an idea. No more than what is in so many...
0: What was there before Canberra? Sheep paddocks? You yeah. fucking asshole, I mean, Barnaby.
1: For like half an hour. Yeah. Uh, no more than it is what ends so many other corners of regional Australia. How many more people do we need to cram into Sydney and Melbourne? And how many more millions do we think those cities need? When cities become too big, the cost of upgrading infrastructure can be prohibitive. Think of the roads, railways, and airports that the money spent on upgrading the Gateway Bridge could build in a new site in another part of our nation if we had the courage today that it took in the past to build Canberra. Canberra should be more than a home of the nation's parliament. It should be a template of how we can build other cities elsewhere. Um,
0: I don't think that anybody who's lived in or been to Canberra <laughs> would agree with that statement.
1: I Everywhere know. should be Canberra? Well, yeah, I mean, I think his point is just like, so the Gateway Bridge, he kind of mentioned that about, I had to reorganize that quote a bit to make the sentence make sense. So it was a bit <laughs> weird, but he was like, he says something like, uh, for every dollar that... You, You spend in Sydney or Melbourne. uh, What was it? It was something like, you know, eight kilometers of improving a highway in Sydney costs $130 billion. And it would only cost a third of that to build like 900 kilometers of road in regional Australia or whatever. Basically, like that money is fairly inefficiently spent in cities. And every time you spend more in cities, more people go there, and then you need to build more infrastructure. We could actually, like, deliberately encourage people to move elsewhere. And, like, he talks about decentralization, which was one of his policies that he was sort of pushing under ScoMo, I want to say. Um, and he talks about it by that name a little bit in the book, but, like, um, he's like, let's move some government departments to Armadale. I think it's a pretty good idea. Uh, I don't... I'm not a city planner. I don't have any like specifics about that. Neither does he in in this book, at least. But like, um, I think it kind of is a pretty good idea to develop other parts of the country and like. Yeah, I
0: definitely. I take his broader point. I was being mostly facetious there, but sure.
1: But I do have an. It's still pretty funny. (laughs) It is. It's it's a weird yeah, and like yeah, he's constantly ragging on Canberra. of course he is. But, like... Because he's a city like, bloke. I mean, a country bloke. my
0: fascination with camera is not because I'm a politician, which I would never be.
1: It's because I'm a country lad. Yeah, exactly. And I just want everywhere to be a cool country town. One thing... So, right, this is the issue, right? How does this policy match up with his love for rural Australiana? It's yeah. going to destroy all the sheep farmers and the poor white towns, and it's going to gentrify his... people out of their rusty houses and shit. Like... Yeah. You...
0: Plus, like, I don't know, like, oh, you want city expansion to make decisions who, like, for the you are actually populating these re- these new regional centres, Barnaby? Because sure. I don't know how this squares with your like anti-migration isolationist... stuff and...
1: Exactly. Right. Right. <laughs> yep.
0: Uh... I mean, looking for consistency. I, if if nothing else, this book has proved that it is absolutely fruitless to try to pull anything coherent from the mind of this person. Right, right.
1: (laughs) Okay, so here's another one. A dollar expended in regional centres is far more conducive for a better social return than one spent in the city. And he points out that inland fast train between Melbourne and Brisbane would cost half as much as the West Connects tollway in Sydney. Um, He does not mention that the Greens are really pro-fast train and really anti-West Connects, but anyway, uh, that's sort of a sidebar. But like, yeah, Sure. We should fucking build fast trains, Barnaby. I'm 100% on your side on this one. Sure. Yep. Yep. So we had a few too many good policy proposals in Chapter 8, so we're going to move right on to Chapter 9. You don't know what's good for you. Uh, So it's just a few pages to spit venom at fucking city slickers. Uh, So (laughs) this is another animals one, so why don't you go ahead with that, Zach? uh, Great. Here. Well, there's two here, but they're both excellent, so...
0: The 2011 ban on live cattle started when the government panicked in reaction to a TV documentary.
1: <laughs> it, put,
0: <laughs> it put cattle properties... I don't know anything about that. It put cattle properties, ringers, truck divers, and helicopter musterers out of work for months. This overwhelmingly, but not
1: exclusively... Oh, the poor helicopter musterers. <laughs> <laughs> They're so hard done by. How are they going to afford <laughs> jet fuel for their helicopters? Sorry, go on, Zach. <laughs>
0: The, the overwhelmingly but not exclusive, this overwhelmingly but not exclusively hurt regional townspeople. the economic rug of Scottsdale in northern Tasmania had been pulled out from under it with the closure of its timber mills in response to green bullying, hurting timber workers, overwhelmingly working class and, and... <laughs> white maybe you see this as a bitter dirge played by me but. A bitter dirge is what needs to be played. A bitter dirge that gets the cynics and the critics out and snickering and complaining and using their quasi-bravado at dinner parties with shelves filled with books that they have probably never read. But by gosh, they look. Good. Just as a they side note, st-
1: just before I started reading this book, I like got rid of a fuckload of books from my bookshelf, and so I was like, "Nice, this one is not specifically a call out to <laughs> me as of two weeks ago." <laughs> You've you escaped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Escaped This Barnaby's one invective. critique. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry. Good, so you're talking about a bit of gu- a bit of dirt, which dirge, is yeah. necessary for this next part of this metaphor.
0: Yeah, he's. G- <laughs> It's getting a bit piratical in
1: And again, very vivid imagination of something really specific and
0: irrelevant. Yeah, Yeah, sorry, go on. The good citizens of better suburbs will put Vivaldi on their sound system and be placed back on permanent water restrictions. They will be told it is evil to water your garden and that washing your car is an anathema. We will be told that nature is a god that must be worshipped by inaction. (laughs) What? Uh It is part of a new Western civilization where it is noble to do nothing, where you must pay consultants- Barnaby, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Where you must pay consultants (laughs) millions of dollars to tell you to do nothing, (laughs) and when nothing is done, they can say, I told you so, nothing happened just like I said it would.
1: Yeah, yeah. So,
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's just mind-numbing.
1: Okay, so, so- There's this real, like, free association thing going on, where it's this like... This
0: definitely never got a second pass.
1: Like, no. Not ghostwritten. That, ghost is, written. that no. is him,
0: a, a schooner of new in hand, boots up on the table, Talking dictated to, to either wife, uh, wife, other woman, or secretary, and just absolutely... Going straight off the top of the dome. He, he hey, heard there the any phrase a bit dirge
1: in a film <laughs> earlier today, and he was just drinking his <laughs> the last of his six back, and he was like, "Bit of dirge. Play by me a bit of dirge. They need a bit of dirge.
0: Bitter dirge would have been <laughs> a just better as confusing for t- <laughs> a, a title, and therefore just as appropriate. Yes.
1: Okay, but. We're told that nature is a god that must be worshipped by inaction, i.e. Um, te- all climate activism is Unabomber shit. That's what he's saying, right? Is like, to take action on climate change is actually to take inaction, right? Or we have to stop working, we have to stop having factories, we have to stop driving, yeah. right? As part which of a new you, Western but, civilization. But th- and then, then he free associates to someone else who he's pissed off about, which is consultants. And he's like, this is a completely different type of nothing, Barnaby. That's a very busy, specific, white collar type of bullshit job type of nothing. That's not the same sort of nothing that you're mad about the greenies advocating
0: see, I think that there's an interesting tension in his position here of like, you know, and he's talking about the, the, the ban on uh, the live export of cattle that right. happened in 2011. He
1: completely forgets about it, obviously, but Well, like... I think that's what
0: he's talking about. He brings climate into it, but that when he's saying, you know, worship by inaction, we have, you know. Right. We have to noble, not to do nothing. sheep. Yeah. Or cattle in this case. Oh, sure. Cattle. So yeah. Um, yeah. And then you know but so his idea of it is that okay that all that happened and it's true that you know there there is an argument to be made that the ban was handled uh poorly by the labor government of the day oh absolutely um, yeah yeah like sure but his argument then is that nothing should have been done about the problem at all in the first place yes not that it's b- like behold the government is you know. It's the government's responsibility to then take care of those people who might be affected. The man has never
1: heard the term just transition in his life. No, no. Or if he has, he immediately blocked it out. Because, like, yeah, we've actually talked about this, Barnaby. Like, we I, some people on the left. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Some people have thought about this, but there's... (laughs)
0: Yeah, he's unwilling to, like, there's absolutely no attempt to engage with a potential solution there. No attempt to acknowledge the
1: possibility of of a potential solution beyond,
0: we just have to keep doing everything that we're already doing and never change anything that we're doing. Right, right. That's what he means by conservatism. That's conservatism.
1: That's exactly what I was going to say, is that, like, every single one of his positions is, the situation that I like is the one that I'm used to. And And it is natural. That's normal. That's right, yeah. What was there before? Canberra Sheep Paddocks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, I'm going to make you read this next one as well. Oh, no.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's no longer acceptable to use the N-word slur, and nor should it be, all to call someone a slaphead. Noon?
1: And nor should it be
0: (laughs) Uh, Moon Yeah? What's a slaphead? Have I just used a slur on air?
1: (laughs) I'm not entirely sure, Zach Uh, See, this is possibly Please don't write in (laughs) If if Zach said slaphead These are Barnaby's words I, all it conjures to my mind is, uh, this is a deep cut, but listeners may for some reason be familiar with Ben Yahtzee Crosshaw. under his more familiar brand of zero punctuation. He's a very fast talking British man who wears a waistcoat. And about 20 years ago, he made a series of point and click adventure games called the X Days of Slaphead series. That's what it made me think of. Uh, I think it just means idiot. I think it's just like a very mild term for someone who is not clever.
0: Okay, well, so why is it all right and politically acceptable at the nice dinner parties to refer to people as inbred rednecks and hillbillies? Maybe because you fear that they look like you. Okay, this is so (laughs) fucking confused.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: I also <laughs> put it to Barney that it's not really that cool, no. generally speaking, to call people in, in red, 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 red Maybe hillbilly. I don't know. Hillbilly is kind of a term of affection. Look, I'm not a no, person I of think, regional origins.
1: So. Right, right. I think probably 20 years ago, a lot of then latte sitting leftists would have used these terms, but you and Isaac have especially on this show, being careful about the language that we use and have received a lot of feedback from listeners about using words like idiot or whatever else, like that we, you know, try to update our terminology. And I don't think most of the people that we hang out with would refer to... Inbred rednecks and hillbillies.
0: It's also, so maybe I will start fucking... using
1: slaphead though. So, uh,
0: well, I don't know that you should.
1: <laughs> well, okay, yeah, listen, right <laughs> yeah. in. Uh, um, it was constructive feedback. But
0: what what exactly does he want here? Because he hates political correctness and yep. and 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 virtue signaling, you know, identity yep. politics. Yep. It's, yep. So, yep but he doesn't want people nope. to use the quote unquote nope. slur nope. of hillbilly. Yep. <laughs> Barnaby!
1: <laughs> All right.
0: The, what uh, the fuck are you talking about, Barnaby? I said,
1: chapter 9, You Don't Know What's Good For You, was just him being enraged. And these were the two best bits, but I could have just read that entire chapter, and that could have been this episode. So, hey, maybe I'll ask Barnaby if I can do the audiobook. All right, so, uh, Chapter 10, 11, and 12. You want to read out what these ones are called there, Zach?
0: Uh, we got Chapter 10, Botany Bay and the Mayflower. Oh, that sounds cool! Yeah. Chapter eleven, Agriculture, Development and Property Rights. It's gonna be Little fascinating. Butter. Yep. Chapter twelve, Decentralization and Senators. Oh yep. fantastic. We're getting into some
1: yep. real politique. Yep. There's quite a lot of anti-climate stuff. Uh he always in makes Barnaby sh-
0: Joyce's autobiography?
1: He believes in it, Zach. Okay. So don't even try and say that he doesn't believe in climate change. It's just be, that and that was a fucking it-
0: recently developed public position for him by the time this book came
1: out. Reluctantly accepted, yeah. Um, But doing literally anything about it would be the worst thing that we could do. Oh,
0: what do you worship the god of inaction?
1: Right. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Has a pretty unconvincing go of anti-veganism. Uh... The world cannot go vegan. We cannot convert all farming land in the appropriate climatic areas to protein grains and beans. We need a protein conversion unit that can turn lesser, drier country into units of protein that make up this protein deficit in a vegan world and keep people alive. That protein conversion unit has a range of names. Sheep, goat, and cow being a few. Veganism and vegetarian laws are very handy if we are going to evolve into a higher form of termite.
0: I like how he refers to sentient beings as protein conversion units.
1: Yeah. Yep. Also,
0: I, I, I'm sorry, but the idea that like, <laughs> let's take Barnaby's uh, theory of animals as red for a moment here, and think sure. about them as protein conversion units. Great. The idea let's do it. That it's somehow more efficient re- to put. The- it's it's less oh. resource intensive to to run. Water and food through animals to get
1: <laughs> it's oh so listeners who don't know it's roughly a ninety percent calorie loss at each tier of the trophic uh, uh not cascade whatever it's called the 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 trophic chain so um yeah ninety percent of the calories in grass disappear when cows eat them or or soybeans or whatever, and then ninety percent of the calories from meat get lost when humans eat it or whatever so like it's 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 just a lot more efficient land wise to eat plant protein but anyway yeah he goes on and on about various country industries and how the greens hate them and how everyone in the country just desperately wants a job um he goes on at great length about how fucked coal seam gas mining is and how invasive it is to farmers doesn't mention the greens for a couple pages there (laughs) Um, It's more of the same development stuff It's all super vague, I basically agree with it That's not fun Uh, So let's move on to chapter 13 Staffers and the state of things He has a lot of these X and the Y chapter titles Um, Yeah, so in this chapter he makes the interesting suggestion Of having a bunch more states uh, Which I don't hate Or at least reorganizing how senators are distributed Which I don't hate either Um, Okay, Right. So why don't you read this one for a sec?
0: Up to a million people live in North Queensland, which has long wanted its own state. Queensland is larger than any state in the U.S., eclipsing Alaska, Texas, and California. Hmm, how many people live there, Barnaby? (laughs) The founding fathers of Australia's constitution made creation of a new state a theoretically straightforward exercise, requiring only the consent of the state parliament to form a new state within its boundaries, or for two states to decide an amalgamate.
1: Uh, Sorry, just by the way, I did literally zero research for this show other than reading the book. I didn't look (laughs) up if this is true, Uh, but if it Uh, is, I'm surprised by that. So, you know, uh, there you go.
0: The provisions are so liberal that the authors of our constitution were clearly aware that the progression to more states was not designed to stop for eternity in 1901. The democratic principle says one man, one woman, one vote. Well, in that case, why the hell does Tasmania, with the population of the Gold Coast, have 12 senators and five lower house seats? Hmm. I would like to enfranchise the people that I live amongst, but also disenfranchise other people. Yeah. Very cool.
1: Very cool position, Barnaby. I'm not saying we should take Barnaby's specific suggestions of how to do this. You you shouldn't take
0: Tasmania's senators and give them to North Queensland and also make it a new state
1: at the new time at the same time? No, but I do think the point that uh, it, there's a big population discrepancy in Tasmania's like representative in parliament compared to their population, I don't think that's the no, worst thing not, in the world. It's not, uh, it's, not a, it's
0: not a terrible point, but somehow he manages to always make... The, the poor like, whites need a state s- of our own! S- even when he starts out with like a basically reasonable point of yeah. view that might even be supported by fact still somehow manages to express it in the most dickheaded way possible. Yeah,
1: well, on that note, he then immediately gets back to shitting on anyone involved in politics. Today we have the political class of staffers, much like the members of Parliament, who are overwhelmingly furnished by the same capital city clique. Staffers hailing from the better high schools, the better private schools, who believe working in Canberra is some new episode of the West Wing or Game of Thrones or House of Cards... They walk, dress, and talk like a core flute. They aspire uh, to be on the front cover of GQ magazine. What? And they have haircuts and shoes that would make them a laughing stock at the Pep Mill pub in Shepparton on a Friday night. They're oh soft. My God. They are soft, but they are smart and rat cunning. Uh haircuts
0: and shoes that would make them a laughing stock at
1: the Pep Mill pub. They look kinda gay. Eat shit, staffers.
0: Yeah. I got I, I look. <laughs> I'll, I'll give him this one. They walk and they walk, dress and talk <laughs> like, like a, a corn flute. Fruit. That's a fucking slam dunk. Yeah, That's he, actually yeah. a slam dunk. That is That's great. That's the best thing in the book so far.
1: That's the Barnaby Pickleboy equivalent, and yeah. he's
0: absolutely correct. Yeah, he's yeah. he's nail he's, he's look, nail on the head. Yep. Credit where it's due.
1: Uh, he also, just by the way, fucking hates the Liberal Party. At least while he's writing this book, mostly. So he also says. The Liberal Party dislikes the National Party. They tolerate them because deep down it's one of the only unifying forces against the Labour Party. It's all that stops the ex-staffers and the pointy shoes and the hipster beards from tearing each other to pieces and stealing each other's hair gel. (laughs) The National Party keeps them together by at times corralling their mutual contempt for us. And what is the National Party personified as? Hayseeds and rednecks. Uh, He complains about leakers, he complains about liars, he complains about speechwriters, and he complains about the media.
0: The fucking, just the goal of this guy to, in one breath, be like, if you stepped into a country pub wearing those shoes, you'd get the shit kicked out of you, you fucking pussy. And then being like,
1: these people call me a redneck. Like, (laughs) keep one, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. True. Uh, so then we get to the Vicky Campion story, um, which is pretty boring and pretty sad. It's exactly Mm. what you would expect uh he meets a lady at work they get on uh after a few months they have a smooch he feels bad he lies to his family uh they keep sleeping together he feels lonely eventually he breaks up with his wife uh there's a bunch of stories about the media being horrible uh, there's a few stories about people being dicks to him in the pub which i don't feel that sorry for him about Um, and as he says, it's so tawdry talking about this, but if I don't people will say I whitewashed it out of the book which is definitely true he's right about Uh, that, yep I don't really have a whole lot to say about it he seems like a dickhead this is a dickhead move, he clearly feels awful about it, Uh, we'll see in the last couple of chapters which is about him being really sad Uh, but
0: oh well that makes it all right then
1: yeah there wasn't anything juicy there, really. I, like, there's no insight. Uh, he might have been lying. Again, I, I did no research. He claims that, yeah, it was a long time before they hooked up. He didn't think that was going to happen when he first met her or anything. Uh, who knows if that's true or not, but whatever. All right. Yeah. Uh, chapter 14, The Pet Shop Boys. Uh, this is the Johnny Depp dogs story. Uh, oh, do yeah. you remember this? You want to you remind the the listeners?
0: Oh he used some kind of like uh quarantining law to prevent Johnny Depp and Amber Heard's dogs from entering the country while Johnny Depp was filming, I believe, Pirates of the Caribbean five?
1: Yep. Yep, that sounds about right. Uh
0: and yeah, it was basically like the only time that Barnaby Joyce ever made international headlines.
1: Yes, yes. Um just trying to see if there's like if it comes up in some kind of way um yeah basically so, someone was like hey uh barnaby's joyce oh, sorry uh, uh johnny depp's dogs would get caught by this and he was like great let's make a huge fucking drama about it uh and he was just trying to use it for some like just to get a bit of just to get some headlines about space. this
0: yeah well it works agricultural we security thing. and yeah it.
1: yeah uh and he was like surprised how well it went so that's story about that yeah chapter 15 chalk
0: that one up as a win for big barnabas
1: yep uh from the high court to the grammon hotel is chapter 15 uh this was section 45 <laughs> 45 such a
0: fucking wanker
1: yeah yep section 44 well what was that huh? oh, oh you remember
0: section 44 section 44 yeah uh if you possess a foreign citizenship you're ineligible to sit in australian parliament oh.
1: yeah 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 and he was one of the ones who got caught up in it uh, again pretty boring recount of the facts here there was no like real insight he was like it was stressful um he gets pissed off because he <laughs> thinks that it was being weaponized against him to get him out of parliament which was absolutely true and Correct, it's unfortunate yeah. it didn't work yeah that's uh, what it
0: was being used for against everybody though <laughs> Yeah, yeah 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 it's just uh, that people hate you more than other people barnaby because yeah. you are a piece of shit
1: Uh, Yeah, and he had to run in a by-election as a result, which he won. Uh, He shits on Tony Windsor at some length. Um, In my first battle against him in 2013, he was all lobster until the poll said he would lose the election, and then he apparently had an ailment so that he never got into the political ring. At the next election, can you explain to me what
0: all lobster means?
1: Nope. Okay. (laughs) He was it though, all lobster. Yeah, and then okay, I again. No research, I don't know what was up with Tony Windsor here, but, like, he apparently had an ailment, so he couldn't even come and fight me after school. And then at the next election, oh, how mysterious, his ailment was better. It's like, yeah, bro, like, sometimes people are sick, and then three that years later they're not how sick.
0: sickness works.
1: Yeah. In 2016, Tony <laughs> Windsor stood for election, but his primary vote was not able to get out of the 20s. I felt that some of Windsor's statements on Twitter were insulting, and others, quite bitter.
0: Oh, did Uh, you think some of his statements were insulting and others bitter, Barnaby? (laughs) Uh, Ah, damn. Boy, that really tells you something about that human being's state of mind, doesn't
1: it? Yep. Uh, We also get this, which again, mostly mentioning because I posted about it in the group. The most remarkable person running against me in the by-election in 2017 was a gentleman from Sydney who went by the name Meow Ludo Disco Gamma Meow Meow and who came to public attention after implanting a Sydney Transport Opal uh, Opal Card chip in his hand. He was actually a huge help as he personified the attack by outsiders on our seat. Uh, I which is... doubt
0: that that's true, Barnaby. I doubt that he was a, huge, was a help. huge help.
1: Yeah, he also said he never turned up. So, I, again, pick one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, now, here we have three excellent titles, Zach, 16, 17, 18. We got the Sword of Democles, Back to the Back Bench, and the
0: half crazed Cattle Dog. Yeah, now we're cooking.
1: Yeah, so these three chapters... The Sword of
0: Damocles!
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure The Sword is, like, about uh, the stuff with Vicky Campion coming out to the media. I think he and his wife had already broken up, and, like, he was just, like, a matter of time until someone publishes this in the Herald Sun. Um, Mm. That's The Sword. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so these three chapters are about him losing his job as Deputy PM and being very sad and stressed and anxious, and, if you can believe it, people being... 2 faced uh, media being horrible, how unfair defamation laws are, and he has a hilarious long digression about how great George Christensen is.
0: Oh my god. Um,
1: I thought it probably wasn't worth reading because it's not very funny, but it's funny that it's in there. Uh, page 197, if anyone wants to look that one up. Yeah, uh, He has melanoma, uh, he's manic-depressive, he's borderline suicidal, he's overcommitted at work, things are not going well. Barnaby. Uh, and he also shall we say compares and contrasts himself with some great men of history. Winston Churchill had his black dog. Mine was a half-crazed cattle dog biting everything that came near the yard. Shout out to Bagel. Um, But the downside comes as well. When you get sad in the afternoon because it's the afternoon and there's not enough clouds in the sky. When you have a nostalgic vision through the golden colours of time of things as they were of April. When you stop thinking about (laughs) something so, like, the Smiths poetical about just, like, mentioning a month. Mm. Um, Yeah. (laughs) When you stop thinking about how sad it will be when you have gone to thinking, I've hurt so many that I want to go without anybody knowing. When you stop worrying about trying to explain yourself because you don't care about their conclusions or your own, it just is what it is, and you're in the middle of it. But I hate excuses. Everyone has their cross to bear. You can't tell me that George Patton, <laughs> polishing uh... his helmet and the ivory-handled six-shooters on either hip, while suspected of having a relationship with his niece, was not bonkers mad, but try winning the Second World War without him.
0: Oh boy. Churchill
1: spent half the war, half cut, but would you replace him? Yes,
0: um, Kennedy had
1: more pills than a chemist, but was, I believe, the greatest modern orator of modern politics. Sorry, the greatest orator of modern politics, backing it up with the space program and the Cuban Missile Crisis.
0: Ah, uh, Barnaby. I mean, he is very freely admitting that he is not in a good place.
1: Very much but, so. And but, this is, like, that middle bit is, like... Like, it it starts and ends hilarious, but that middle bit is tragic as hell.
0: Yeah, you are reading and I was like, I'm going to choose not to make a joke about this. Yeah.
1: But Uh, uh, but then
0: he very quickly follows it up with... back to, I'm like George Patton. I'm just like that niece fucker uh, with two guns. uh, Who, you know, you may not agree with
1: everything that he did. But he did sometimes... (laughs) push that line six inches closer to berlin or was that the first world war uh, anyway yeah uh yeah uh, oh and boy. then he's like kennedy maybe and churchill unclear in that I they mean... have problems but <laughs> you know he could have picked other people who had problems to compare himself to uh okay and then we have the epilogue which ends the book on a beautiful and wistful and peaceful note after the pretty upsetting and incoherent stuff from the last few chapters. Uh, so I'm just going to read the last couple of paragraphs, or the, the start and end of the epilogue. I'm sitting in Central Park in Armadale. The bell at the Catholic Cathedral tolls for midday. In front of me, across the green lawn on another park bench, are two men talking. There's the beautiful smell of cut lawn. Vicky is getting acupuncture, desperately trying to bring on labor so that Seb can find a new home outside her body. The fountain that stands in the middle of so many names for the First World War, sorry, from the First World War, babbles in the autumn sun. The cold weather is coming on the weekend, they say, but no rain. The family in front of me are gone. You can have lunch so quickly when it comes in a brown paper bag with a big gold M on it. I wonder if next week the dad (laughs) (laughs) will remember lunch with his family. I hope he took a photo. (laughs) When I spoke to my publisher, he said, you should write an epilogue to let people know you're okay and to tell them what you're going to do next. Well, that is flawed with mysticism. I can tell you what I'm doing now. I'm sitting on a bench listening to the Karawang sing and waiting for Seb to be born. It still doesn't manage to be not funny.
0: No. (laughs) You know, there's some possibly evocative...
1: Yeah, writing in there. Also, uh, sorry, I I I didn't include this, but I tried to be editorial because I wanted to end on this like nice kind of pretty writing. Thing. We don't
0: need to do that for Barnaby. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, but in between the start and the end of that quote, he says, uh, "Behind me, an Asian family—a mother with her daughter and son—walk past with McDonald's meals," uh, and then he says some other kind of nice things about the family. But it's like. They're Asian, just by the way. Uh, They're eating McDonald's. McDonald's sucks. You never remember stuff when you're Asian people eating McDonald's. I wonder if that Asian dad will remember lunch with us. He didn't mention the dad was there. Anyway. uh, I hope he took a photo. Uh, I'm a real dad. I remember shit. Uh, Like this time that I'm sitting here waiting for my wife. uh, Or girlfriend. Um, I don't know. It's just like... this. It's not necessarily negative. It just seemed like he really wanted us to know they were Asian. I don't know. And and that he looks down on them. Uh, uh, yeah. He just fucking can't help himself. Nope. Alright, well, that's the end of the book. Uh, yeah, I'm really surprised how much I enjoyed Thank it. Christ. Both in good and bad ways. Yeah. Uh, uh, what? A reluctant... But surprisingly high, two stars out of five, I think.
0: Okay. Well, uh, it has not improved my feelings about Barnaby. Nope, me neither. Yeah. Um, It hasn't clarified a huge amount. Nope. Uh, he remains a kind of you know, engaging political figure by Australian mm. standards. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um purely by dint of being such a fucking weird unit.
1: Yeah, and everyone else being um corflute. walking they walk and walk and talk you, walk and walk, dress yeah. like Corflute, yeah, yeah. Corflute, yeah. yeah. Uh
0: who've never seen a pair of titties in their life.
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. 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 I feel like you're really uh Uh, You know, the Streisand effect, where by calling attention to... uh, You call attention to something you Mm. don't want people to look at? This whole book is just that. Um, It's like, hey, have you noticed I'm a giant asshole who can't think straight? Um, I just thought I'd tell you that for 204 consecutive pages.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I will say that that this does really uh, remind me of a time when I was in a small country town. Uh Uh-huh. And That's what he's guy, going for. <laughs> there was a guy, uh, and he had a blob doll, and he was just banging it against the window.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> Barnaby smashing his inflated, uh, what did he call it? Um, Rictus sardonicus. sardonicus against the dirty window pane. <gasps> Look at me! Limited imagination. <laughs> desperately trying to be let back into the public debate, but he can't break through because he's empty, he's hollow, he's full of just hot air. It's pure fucking carbon dioxide in there, which is very appropriate for (laughs) (laughs) Bond.
1: Yeah, he would like nothing else. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so thanks to our shadowy financier for for funding the show and for recommending, well, not not recommending, demanding this book. Uh, I, as I say, had a surprisingly good time with it. Would really not recommend anyone go out of their way to read it, but like if you enjoyed made the show, yeah, yeah. But look,
0: we it... are a we're a funnel for psychic damage of engaging with anything to do with Australian politics, or at least we used to be.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now uh, I'm
0: joyously free and I don't have Twitter
1: anymore. But if you want a whole you book of <laughs> hating someone on Twitter, just read this book yeah. by Barnaby. You know, it'll it's... scratch that itch. Yeah, you only got the the greatest hits here. There's, there's a lot more to go, so yeah. Um <sighs>
0: Uh, well, thanks for
1: reading it, then. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, uh, weirdly, my pleasure. Um, so, yes, and uh, we're going to come back with support another your local library <laughs> episode. Yeah, please do. Actually, yeah, go go get something from the library. Uh, not this book. Um, uh, keep an eye on your Ospo snack pod feeds. We will probably do some other stuff in the not too distant future, but not putting a particular a timeline that, on that, that. So that's the plan. Yeah. yeah. Um. Should we do a quick little pup date for old time's sake, Zach, since we're here? Ah, uh, twist my arm, why don't you? Yeah.
0: Now it's time for a pup date. Oh, I haven't heard that in a while.
1: No, I barely heard it because we're having some weird Zoom issues, but I'll have to go listen <laughs> to it again. Yeah. Uh, ha- how's Dante? He's all
0: right. I'm teaching him a new trick. It's taking a really, really long time. Cause what is it? multiple components mm. i'm trying to teach him okay the end res- the end goal is that i want to give him the command stinky and he goes up on his hind legs and covers his nose with his paws
1: yeah 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 i tried to teach bagel to cover the nose with paws thing have you got that part of it down no okay yeah um he fucking hated practicing it
0: yeah well so donte can now stand on his hind legs with the command kangaroo which nice. is nice that is cute um But, yeah, so we're doing the... um, I'm trying to teach him the covering the nose part with the command cover by getting him to go into Kangaroo, and then I put my forearm out in front of him like a little shelf, and he puts his paws on it, and then I lure his nose under my arm Mm. uh, with the command cover. Nice. and get him to hold that and then treat him there. So that... He's kind of getting that, but then you take the arm away and he's got no fucking idea what you want. Right, right, and right. And so the other approach is to put him on his side or his back and sort of lure his nose under his paw like that so that he doesn't have to worry about you know keeping himself balanced. Sure, sure. Whilst learning this new maneuver. Um, so I've just started that. So he's, cool. you know, we're probably in like week six. Oh, of wow. Trying, wow. Of trying to train this trick. And with like a week or two break in the middle. Uh, and I reckon it'll be another, like, month or two yeah, right. before we get it down. So, but it's good to have a long-term project. Uh,
1: so this was actually the first trick I ever wanted to teach Bagel before I even got him because I was originally planning on getting, like, a greyhound or something, like, a bit snooty in the face um, and naming it Bertie after Bertrand Russell. Uh, and also Bertram Wooster, but mostly Bertrand Russell. Um, and I wanted to say... Uh, Bertie derive mathematics from logic and for him to put his like to cover his face and go um because Bertrand Russell uh dedicated his whole life to trying to do that until someone found out that you couldn't um yeah so that's that but when I met Bagel he was not a Bertie type of dog uh but I still tried to teach him the trick um just without that very niche Mm -hmm. joke um and the way that i read about learning it he fucking hated but it was very different from yours it's to put sticky tape on their nose have you yeah, read this
0: yeah i i've seen that approach as well and i just generally try to avoid those kinds of yeah training a trick through annoying your dog <laughs> right right uh, like i annoy dante every day for my own amusement but you don't but... expect
1: him to like uh
0: be enriched not, by it, yeah I, I don't know, I just i like I don't want him to associate the trick like you know i'm i'm', right, I'm right, right. rewarding him for doing it, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, totally, the, no, but I the, I the learning process shouldn't be punishment
1: it, it's very obvious in retrospect, but I didn't even think about different ways of eliciting the behavior um so nice well I'll, it's I'll it's a, a it's a hard one there's yeah, a, yeah. there's
0: no like
1: reflex for it,
0: yeah, there's and like I've seen several different methods yeah. suggested right. Um, so yeah, I don't know.
1: One that I've been working on with Bagel for a long time is wiping his back paws. Uh, he can wipe his front paws fine because that's just digging on a mat. Um, so if you get a mat and I do the like dig gesture, but you know, wipe your paws, he will do it. Um, but the back ones, apparently there is a reflex to kick the back legs to wipe them, but it's a reflex and not under voluntary control so basically you just have to like wait for them to piss on themselves and try and wipe it off and then be like oh good boy yeah 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 give him a lot of treats um uh and it's it's interesting so like after he does a wee, even if he doesn't wee on himself now i can get him to do it but he it still look is a bit like a reflex and in any other situation he just looks at me completely baffled like what the fuck are you talking about um yeah so uh, and like if he does it he'll keep he'll stop and I'll be like, you know, back pause or whatever. And he'll do it again. And like, as long as we stay there in one like yeah. series of tasks, but then if I get him to sit and then we move again and I'm like, wipe your paws, even if it's like a oh, meter away, he's like, that's a completely different, shit,
0: completely different circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. Completely different world that we now exist in. I'm the, one meter away. The words away. that you're
1: saying make no sense to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. We have uh, reset language.
1: Uh, but yeah, no, he, he's doing well. He's on a new, uh, antidepressant. Oh, well, I mean, he was on one a very long time ago, but now he's on, uh, Zacton Fluoxetine. Uh, so yeah, I imagine... That's, what, that's like... what Dante's on. Oh, right. I was more, gonna...
0: Yeah, I think it's more like a mood stabilizer.
1: In humans, it's given for, like, anxiety and depression. Um, mm-hmm. and probably a large percentage of our listeners have it in their rooms right now so shout out to you guys um uh <laughs> except bagel's not on pbs how uh, many uh
0: no yeah how uh i just got dante's prescription refilled
1: yesterday yeah. what's uh what's uh bagel's dosage uh just one 20 milligram pill uh once a day
0: yeah. dante's on the on two Ooh. yeah but he's
1: chunkier he is he's a large boy i feel like he's put on weight since last time i saw him
0: he um, has, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's probably a good, that's a good, good stu- update. Yeah,
1: yeah. Go on.
0: Oh, I was just going to say he's fat now. That's. <laughs> oh,
1: oh, I thought you... All I was going to say was, I went round to Zach's place to record today. We'd been planning this for fucking literally weeks. Forgot my microphone at home. So we recorded over Zoom. Very unfortunate. But I got to see... <laughs> Zach and Holly and Dante and that was delightful and Dante was very cute and licked my ear a lot uh and yeah got fat yeah, yeah not while I was there but
0: he's a big chunky boy now yeah uh yeah he was uh, the vet was like you should he's maybe a little bit skinny you should feed him a bit more so <laughs> he filled out pretty
1: quick <laughs> <laughs> um Alright, very quick bagel update. Uh as as long time listeners will know, he has approximately one dog friend whose name is Gus, uh who's a Kelpie as my sister's dog. Um and they are really good together, they play together, it's great. But uh Gus it, I, I taught Bagel to like stay out of my garden beds very early on, and he like won't put a paw in them. I taught him like, even if the ball that you're fetching goes in there, you do not step in the strawberry patch. He's a very good boy about it. He, never steps over it's amazing Gus doesn't know that's the rules so he just walked in walked straight across the strawberry patch huge piss um on the strawberries uh kept going Jesus. I was like look he's here for one afternoon whatever the fuck uh it's delightful I, I don't mind that much it's good for the strawberries in the medium term um but uh now for like days since every time we go in or out of the house Bagel like stops at the strawberry patch and like has a big sniff and he's like "Oh." My friend Gus, you know, I, I just <laughs> every time he walks past, he's like, oh. <laughs> it's very sweet. Uh, it's very yeah. cute. Yeah. All righty. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> Look, let's on. stop vamping and, and wrap up the show. Uh, S-
0: sounds good. Thank thanks you for, listening, for tuning everyone. in. If you don't give us reviews.
1: Through. Don't give us ratings. We don't care about that anymore. Yeah. F- Stay the fuck away from our Patreon. It we're doesn't free. exist.
0: We're, we're unshackled from... Um, from from the load loadstone, <laughs> we're unshackled from the millstone of public opinion. You can't hurt us anymore.
1: Yep, uncancelable.
0: All right, uh, catch you. Sorry, that was a very Barnaby-esque note to end this on. It's, it's appropriate. <laughs> completely. That's um, flawed with mysticism. Completely Zach. unprovoked. All, Fuck you. All I yeah. can tell you is what That's I'm doing right boring. now. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: All right. I'm uh, being. Ambiently racist towards a family I've never met before, as the bell chimes the beginning of April
1: and you know I actually have to be writing this myself because my girlfriend is doing something that doesn't revolve around my book all right, uh thanks everyone uh, uh, you have to say the thing oh um, oh,
0: wow, ah, keep on snacking in the free world crunch, crunch. There we go. A hey.